Well, good morning again. Welcome to St. Paul's. We're thrilled you're with us, especially if it's your first time joining us today. Now, one of my recurring teen nightmares was when the phone would ring. There was only one phone. It was in the kitchen. And hearing my father's voice, who shall I say is calling, long before caller ID, and then my father calling me, handing me the phone with that look, insert some boy's name, is on the phone for you. And I think it's an injustice, by the way, that our daughters have never had to go through the whole who is calling trial by fire. We're continuing in our E100 preaching series, looking at the essential 100 passages from the Bible and what it means for our daily lives here in Toronto and wherever you're joining us from. So far, we've encountered the furthest fringes of recorded history in ancient Mesopotamia, looking at how God interacted with those desert nomads, Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. And last week, we heard how Joseph, the favorite son of, Joseph, uh, of Jacob in that most dysfunctional family, is sold into slavery in Egypt by his brothers. Egypt, the wealthy global superpower at the time, think Russia, the U.S., with a dash of Dubai rolled in altogether. Joseph rose through the ranks of the Egyptian civil service, and he eventually ends up as the right-hand man to Pharaoh, which most scholars believe was the great Ramses II of the 13th century BC. And then it's Ramses II's daughter, while bathing one morning, who finds a baby floating in the mighty Nile River. And she raises this baby as a prince in the royal household, and the baby becomes the young man, Moses. By any estimation, one of the most important figures in human history. Moses grows up culturally as an Egyptian prince, but he knows that ethnically he's a Hebrew, an Israelite. And after murdering an Egyptian site manager who's mistreating an Israelite slave worker, he has to flee some 200 miles to the land of Midian in the Arabian Peninsula. And this is where our reading, which Femi just read to us today from the book of Exodus, picks the story up. Moses has a comfortable exile. He married into a wealthy family of the priest of Midian, Jethro. And while he's tending his father-in-law's flocks, the phone rings. Who shall I say is calling? Moses is about to have an extraordinary encounter with God. An encounter that demonstrates for us two things. One, that God wishes to be known. That God is knowable. And two, that knowing God personally is wonderfully practical because almost all the struggles that you and I ever have in our lives is because in that moment, we've forgotten something about the character of God. And as we look at this passage together from Exodus, you might want to call it up on your phone or uh, open it in your Bible. It's Exodus chapter 3, 1 to 15. Exodus chapter 3. So Moses, he's now an old man. He's tending his father-in-law's flock around Mount Horeb, and he's minding his own business. 
when he sees a bush out in the middle of nowhere burning for all it's worth. He considers the possibilities. A bolt of stray lightning, perhaps? Spontaneous combustion, maybe? Or perhaps it only looks like it's burning. It could be some kind of phosphorescence. Or a fake rigged up with foil and orange light, some Midianite's idea of a hilarious joke. But no, he could hear the crackling of the flames. He could smell the smoke and see a thin column of heat rising into the air above the bush. The odd thing is that it doesn't quit. As long as Moses stands there transfixed, not a single twig turns to ash. Moses steps closer. Our first point, God wishes to be known. God is knowable. Verse 4, when the Lord saw Moses coming to take a closer look, God called to him from the middle of the bush, Moses, Moses, here I am, Moses replied, do not come any closer, the Lord warned, take off your sandals for you're standing on holy ground, I am the God of your father, the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, and when Moses heard this, he covered his face because he was afraid to look at God. No kidding. This is what's called a theophany, an actual appearing of God in our world. In this particular case, through a burning bush. And throughout history, not only in other faith traditions and philosophical systems, but also in our uh, popular uh, cultural consciousness, a dominant view is that God is not knowable, that God does not reveal God's self to the world in any meaningful way and essentially removes God from our daily lives. I've spent a lot of time over the years with people who are spiritually searching. Maybe you are. People often with penetrating questions about faith in God, and often the question goes, something like this. I've never experienced God in my life. How would I even know if God exists? If, if God wants to connect with me, knock yourself out, God. I'm waiting. Good questions. Moses, Moses, remove the sandals from your feet for the place on which you stand is holy ground. No, says the consistent witness of the Bible. God chooses to reveal God's self to us. God is an extrovert with pretty loose privacy settings. God is out there revealing God's self in burning bushes that aren't consumed. Ordinarily, fire is dependent on fuel. No fuel, no fire. But this fire is not consuming the bush. This God is all being and power within God's self and is perfectly self-sufficient, which explains the famously cryptic answer to the big question that Moses asks when God tells him to go back to Egypt and demand Pharaoh releases the Israelites from slavery. Uh, maybe, but who do I say is calling? I am who I am. Basically, God gives Moses the Hebrew verb to be. 
You tell Pharaoh that I am sent you, that being itself is calling. The fire that needs no fuel commands you. This is extraordinary. God of the universe, the beginning and the end, coming so close to Moses that the hairs on the back of his hands were getting singed. God wants to be known. God wants to be experienced. Blaise Pascal, a 16th century French philosopher and mathematician, had a life-changing encounter with God one night. And it was so extraordinary that he wrote about it in his diary. Then he tore the page of his diary out, wrapped it up, and kept it inside his jacket pocket for the rest of his life. It's quite famous. You can Google it to read the whole diary entry if you like. But here is the bit for us today. From about half past 10 in the evening until about half past 12. Fire. The God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, the God of Jacob, and not the God of the philosophers and the savants. Fire. Certitude, certitude, feeling, joy, peace. Not the God of the philosophers, but the God of fire, of the burning bush. That is who Pascal encountered. Have you? Do you want to? Because God wants to be known and can be known, either for the first time or in a fresh way. And this matters. It matters, our second point, because knowing God personally, not the God of the philosophers, but the fire that needs no fuel, is wonderfully practical because almost all our struggles are life, certainly in my life, are because in that moment I've forgotten something about God. I've lost sight of some aspect of the character of I am who I am. Knowing God personally. If you have eagle eyes, you may have noticed that verse 2 says this. There the angel of the Lord appeared to Moses in a blazing fire from the middle of a bush. But then verse 4 says this. When the Lord saw Moses coming to take a closer look, God called to Moses. Well, which is it? The angel of the Lord, the Lord, or God? It's all of them. This is one of many places in the Old Testament, that first half of the Bible that we share with our Jewish sisters and brothers, where God sends an angel to bring God's presence near to somebody. This is not like the angel Gabriel appearing to young Mary. When the angel of the Lord speaks, it is God speaking. It is God setting aside all of God's majesty and power so that a holy and perfect God can come close, close enough to singe your hair, can come close to a sinful human being like me, like Moses, like you. What's amazing in this encounter is not so much that the bush was not fried to a crisp, but that Moses wasn't. Here he was in the presence of God. 
with only the warning to take off his shoes because he was on holy ground. The only way that Moses was able to be this physically close to the creator of subatomic particles because God was appearing in this form. This form who was both distinct from God, the angel of the Lord, and yet is one with God. The one who says, I am who I am. This I am who I am can be understood as none other than a pre-incarnate appearance of the Lord Jesus Christ. Jesus, where God sets aside all majesty and glory. Jesus, where God comes to earth as a human. So we sinful human beings can know God personally. John 8, 58, Jesus speaking. Before Abraham was, I am. I am. Jesus, the fire that needs no fuel. How is this practically relevant in the midst of our anxieties and struggles, whatever shape those take for you today. Well, think about this. If the God who wants to be known, who is most perfectly revealed in the life, death, and resurrection of Jesus, is the fire that needs no fuel, is perfectly self-sufficient, then listen to this. This is Jesus again. John chapter 15, verse 5. I am the vine, you are the branches. Those who remain in me and I in them will produce much fruit. For apart from me, you can do nothing. What a relief! The most effective way to get stronger and have more impact at home and at work is to realize that without God, you can do nothing. Why? Because if you think about it, any success that you have had at work or in a relationship, it's because of God. Maybe you've made a lot of money in finance. Well, that head for numbers that you have, it came from God. Maybe you're a terrific nurse. Well, that vigilance and stamina that you have, it came from God. Your ability to discern wisely while you're swiping left or right, it comes from God. No matter how hard we work, anything that is achieved is still all grace. It's still all a gift from God, and what a relief, because it means we don't have to hold it all up. Apparently, Pope John XXIII, who was Pope in the 1960s, in order to actually get to sleep at night, imagine the things you're worrying about if you're the Pope. To get to sleep at night, he would say the same prayer every night. This is what he'd say. Well, Lord, it's your church. You take care of it now. I'm going to sleep. It's hard to learn that essential lesson that we're not in control. Usually, we learn it during times of suffering or global pandemics. But as we grow in accepting that every good thing we have comes from God, when we remember the self-sufficiency of God and that Jesus invites us to rest in that, I am the vine, you are the branches. It can take such a burden of worry and responsibility off of our soldiers. 
In a staff meeting last week, we were talking about a strategic planning process that we hope to start this year. And I threw out, yes, we need less Jenny and more Jesus. There'll be a heck of a lot less to worry about if we have more Jesus. Almost every time I struggle, it's because I've forgotten something about who God is that I meet in Jesus. Moses had to wait until he was an old man, and he was only herding sheep for his father-in-law before God called him on his life's work, leading the Israelites out of slavery in Egypt. Moses had to almost come to the end of his own physical abilities, and he had no personal financial capital to speak of. That's when God decided, oh, you're ready now. Now I can use you. I am the vine. You are the branches. Without me, you can do nothing. When we remember our utter dependence on God, the fire that needs no fuel, only then does God say, okay, now, now I can use you. This coming week in E100, you're going to read more about Moses and how he needed to rely utterly on God as he battled with Pharaoh and eventually led the enslaved people to freedom through the Red Sea. The next chapter in the story of everything, the story of a God who wants to be known, living and active in history, who can be alive and active in our lives if we choose to respond. May I say who's calling? Let's pray. God of Abraham, Isaac and Jacob, the great I am, thank you that you want to be known, known by each of us. Pour into our hearts the knowledge of your son, Jesus Christ, that we would shine as your lights in the darkness of our world. Amen.